0: Hello and welcome to From the Trenches, the Business Examiner Podcast. My name is John McDonald. This episode's guest is Mike Stubbing, tax service line leader and partner with Grant Thornton. Mike is a relationships-first leader, outlining a variety of topics in our conversation, including leadership lessons learned throughout his 23 years at the company. He also covers the business community's response to the provincial and federal budgets, sustainability trends, and much more. Our interview starts now.
1: So thanks very much John. My name is Mike Stubbing and I'm a tax partner with Grant Thornton and I'm the tax lead for Vancouver Island. Uh, So here on Vancouver Island we've got a little bit over a hundred people. We're spread out over five offices across the island and the group that I lead specifically the tax group uh, would be the largest uh, tax specialist group on the island. So for the accounting firms, the law firms that focus in tax, we'd have the largest kind of dedicated tax specialist group. There's 18 of us on the island and um, <clears throat> we focus, we specialize really in kind of all, all aspects of uh, domestic Canadian tax, um, of US personal tax, uh, indirect and sales taxes, and then shred and other government incentives. So sort of any area of tax that you need help with, we've sort of got you covered here. And then uh, Grant Thornton as a whole, we also have offices right across uh, Canada. Uh, We've got about 2,500 people or so across the country. Um, And and our focus as a firm is privately owned businesses. So we're not dealing with massive companies where we're dealing just with the management team. Like our real focus is private businesses uh, and largely owner managed businesses where the owner is actively involved. Um, and then we're, we're also an international firm. So we have um, offices in uh, approximately 200 countries uh, around the world. And um, yeah, a, a really great network uh, of folks to you know, to call on when necessary. That's tremendous. Yeah, I was doing a little
0: bit of Googling uh, this week just to kind of see where your reach was. And it's pretty crazy. I saw like even like Africa and all, you know, this kind of stuff and team for you guys to have that owner operator um, or private enterprise focus is really cool. Just because I think sometimes when you see like an international firm, you always think, oh, they must just do mostly public companies and and, you know, whatever else comes in, comes in. But,
1: you know, and it's um, it's so helpful as well too, to have that, that international reach. So if, if I kind of go back towards, you know, earlier in my career, the beginning of my career, like it was kind of neat to say, Hey, you know, we've got enough, you know, I can deal with our Chilean office or our uh, you know offices in Russia or wherever it happened to be. But the fact of the matter is you didn't need to call on them all that often. And, you know, these days it's, constant like um so i was on a call a couple days ago or a video conference now which is great um with a tax specialist in our bristol office in uh southern england uh, in relation to a client that had some tax issues uh with some some assets that they own there and while i was talking to her i was also able to layer on some inheritance tax questions uk inheritance tax questions that I had from another client. But if I think even in the last two weeks alone, like I've worked on files with our office in uh, Poland, um, office in Bulgaria. I deal with our Los Angeles office on a couple of files quite a lot. I've dealt with our, an office in Tokyo. Um, like it's, it's and, and, and these are not like, you know, massive organizations or massive clients that um you know have have big operations but it's it's private you know local vancouver island businesses that happen to have something happening here or something happening there or an asset here they need to figure out how to deal with it's so incredibly helpful to have that that um you know that ability to reach out with little questions and just you know get the basic information that the clients need
0: that's tremendous i would i would imagine that's really stimulating getting that much variety Um in your conversations there. One thing I wanted to ask you too, is we're, you know, we, we talked kind of in the preamble here, but we're coming out of personal tax season, you're in the in the throes of of corporate tax stuff, we've got some budgets that came out, you know, month and a half or a month or so ago, you've, you've had this great opportunity to connect with a lot of your clients in, in these conversations. Is there a couple of themes that have come out of those conversations? Um, whether it's, you know, industries, um, concerns, positives, some things that maybe you didn't expect to see?
1: Um, Yeah. So, I mean, you referenced the budget and um, so so maybe starting, you know, thinking about that is that, um, you know, and this I found, you know, quite, quite fascinating as well too, is that, and maybe this is just human nature, but in that lead up to the budget, like there was the federal budget, there was so much kind of chatter and concern amongst our clients about what it was going to bring. And maybe it's just that uncertainty, right? And, and you know, uh, filling a vacuum with, with, uh, with thoughts where there's uncertainty. But like we were quite honestly getting questions like every day in the months leading up to that April budget with people worried about, I hear they're going to increase capital gains rates. Are they going to start to tax, you know, my home principal residences? What's going to happen here? How is it going to affect me? Can you run some calculations and what can we do to plan for this and so people were like really really interested in this and really getting into the details of precisely how it impacts them and what we can do to plan for it and then the federal budget kind of comes and goes and so it dropped in you know mid-April or so and this is a massive budget like this is it was I think 800 and some odd pages like it was a huge amount and despite that like it was a non-event like in our clients minds this budget was a non-event like nobody's interested in talking about it. and when we think about it like there was tweaks to like the covid like wage and rent subsidy programs like queues or sues and the SERS program so changes to those there's the introduction of a um, hiring incentive program for 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 businesses all sorts of green incentives, um, digital sales tax incentives, but, and then getting away from tax like a national childcare program, um, the introduction of a $15 minimum wage, discussion about a, like a federal, a national vacancy tax um, on non-resident owned uh, housing. And then like reams and reams of Tweaks to existing programs, new changes, tweaks to existing tax rules. So, like, there was a ton of stuff in there, and all that anyone wants to talk about is there sure is a lot of spending. Tax rates are probably going to go up, um, and, you know. And 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 I, I found that really interesting because people were so into the specifics beforehand when they were speculating what they might be, and then we get this massive budget. And it's almost like there was too much information in there for anyone to take in. And so the big takeaway was, how are we going to deal for what has to be coming in the future in the form of increased tax rates? Um, you know, and, and I think what I've tried to, to, you know, to focus on is, well, yes, we, sh- we should always be planning for the possibility of increased tax rates um but let's look at what's there now so you know and I, and I think that there is some pretty good stuff there that will be impactful for clients um and, you know and some some of it is kind of pseudo tax focused like the uh, um continuation of the the Q's uh and the service programs the wage subsidy and the rent subsidy programs like those programs i i think have been very successful when the pandemic was in full swing Those were keeping the lights on like they were really keeping people hired. They were really keeping businesses going like it was so important and we were dealing with clients every day and about getting their claims in and the urgency because they needed that money. And, you know, if we kind of fast forward to where we are now, we've got way less clients that are taking advantage of those programs. Um, because they don't qualify for them anymore because they've, they've actually recovered. And the ones that do, their claims tend to be a lot lower than what they were. Um, but the ones that are still qualifying, like they still really need it. There are certain industries, as you know, John, like that they haven't recovered at all because of government regulations or lockdowns or whatever. Certain industries are still really, really hard hit and the fact that these programs are still there for them and will still be there for them, it's been extended into September with the ability to then extend further into November, depending on how things are going, I think is really, really important. It's an acknowledgement that the, the although the economy is kind of back to firing on all cylinders, as far as I can tell anyway. In some industries, it's not, and they still need this help. So the expansion of these programs and the continuation of these programs has been really helpful. And then from a non-tax perspective, like I think that the rollout of a national child care program is going to be incredibly helpful for our clients. When and, and this, this is going to take a couple of years, but um, when I'm talking to my clients now, other than the ones that are in those sort of still impacted industries, uh, the biggest thing that I'm hearing about now is that they can't hire. Like they're looking for people and they can't find people. They've got postings and they can't get any applicants. And so having like a properly functioning, affordable national healthcare care program, I think just really expands the labour pool that's available and it's going to be an important part in growing our business out of all of this massive spending that's happened over the last, you know, year and a bit and is going to continue for at least another year and a bit. So I think that's important. I think that the $15 minimum wage, uh, you know, although it's it's going to have a negative impact on some of our clients, um, I think on the whole is a very good thing and is going to have long term benefits the majority of our clients and probably for society as a whole like that's one of the other things that we've really seen within our client base but you know in our neighborhoods as well too over the last year or so is um you know just how much kind of the wealth divide there really is and the income divide there really is and the stability of income um and you know, it's something that's probably not very healthy for an economy, probably not very healthy for a society. So taking some steps to um, you know, address that, I, I think is gonna have long-term benefits, even though there's gonna be some short-term negatives for some of our clients that you know, do rely on labor as a um, uh, and minimum wage labor as a big part of their business inputs. So. So, you know, to, to me, I think those are some of the, the the takeaways from the the budget, some of the discussions we're having around it. And then, you know, some of the discussions that maybe we're shaping is don't forget that we've got these things that are coming that are still really important for you.
0: Yeah, no, that's tremendous. I appreciate you you flushing that out. This, the recruitment one is something that we here today alone. I've had two conversations prior to this prior to our call with people, especially in construction and in the, this in retail as well. And they just, I talked to one guy, he listed out every single thing that they did. And it almost there's one or two things that they haven't tried. I think it was like 10 different platforms that they had tried posting jobs on. And they've got, you know, I, I want to say it was, it was between 10 and 20 roles. So it's yeah. literally holding back production and they cannot find these people on the island. So,
1: you know, and, and I can speak to that too, right? Like I, I've got a, a posting out right now that's been out for a couple of months. You know, I, I like to think we're a good place to work, uh, good people to work with, have a pretty good reputation. Is it for a nice job that doesn't necessarily, like it's, it's not like it's a super niche job that requires very specific expertise. It's one where we're going to take someone and kind of guide them and mold them can't get any anyone to even apply for it um so and you know I think you just sort of scale that through the whole economy on the island here and uh anything we can do to free up some extra people that can work is going to be helpful yeah well that's so great um
0: one thing just to to jump into the uh, I guess a little bit further into the budget there were some talks about um or there's a lot of talks about the focus on the green economy um and just at almost all levels whether it's you know whether it's attack tax tax rates or investment incentives can you speak to that a little bit um and even maybe some of the opportunities that you're seeing for your clients uh who may be able to take advantage of that or maybe some industries where they're going to be impacted but you could you could, there's there's growth opportunities uh, yeah. despite the challenges
1: yeah i'll give it a shot for sure um so but like you're you're right that um you know you can really tell in a lot of the programs that have been announced new stuff for the most part through the budget that i think part of the kind of the fundamental strategy that the government had to help the economy kind of stabilize coming out of the pandemic is through a focus on green industry like that is is very very clear as you kind of go through program by program and and, and you know i think it's telling too that in and around the budget they really spent a lot of time focusing on um, carbon emission targets which isn't something that we normally see paired up with a budget Uh, but it certainly was in this case you know a goal to um, get emissions down um, 36 percent from 2005 levels by 2030 which isn't that far off um, and then a couple of days later, they sort of bumped that up to 40% and, um, uh, you know, also a lot of discussion about getting down to net zero emissions by 2050, um, w- which I actually think is quite a fascinating thing to think about. Like, it's not something that I, I would have, you know, necessarily even thought possible uh, if they hadn't started you know, all of this discussion around it. You know, in and around the context of the budget. So, you know, if we look at what what have they put into the budget uh, to sort of focus on this green initiative, a lot of the stuff is kind of spending related. So there are some tax incentives. So one of them is a reduction in the corporate tax rate for manufacturers and processes processors of green technologies. So, this is for businesses that generate more than 10% of their revenues from manufacturing and processing what they're calling green technologies, eligible technologies. And you know, so just to put into context what that means is right now, if you're a small business, um, the federal tax rate that you'll pay is 9% on your income. You're going to drop that to four and a half percent. And if you're a, not a small business or you don't qualify for small business rates, your federal tax rate will drop from 15% to 7.5%. Pretty dramatic, basically cutting your corporate taxes in half if you're in these industries. So this would be for, you know, people that are um, manufacturing and processing zero emission technologies. So that would be things like, you know, zero emission vehicles, not that there's a heck of a lot of that, not, a, you know, a ton of companies that are doing that, but some large ones, but probably more more um, relevant would be manufacturers or processes of things like wind turbines or wind turbine technologies, solar panels, uh, charging stations for electric vehicles, uh, batteries to store renewable energy. Um, and likely like we haven't seen the details exactly on this program but you know likely component parts to those types of things as well too so and I think that's going to be important because it's you know it's not just you know the Teslas and the Toyotas and kind of the massive companies of the world that have operations in Canada that can take advantage of this it will get down into smaller manufacturers and processors and you you think about the island and you think about you know certainly we've got a population that has an interest in this so producing say solar panels is not something that's unheard of but we've also got you know wave technology or tide technology um, that's out there and there's a number of entities already operating in that space and i think we're going to see you know more moving into that because not only are we seeing incentives for manufacturers and producers Uh, but also for companies that basically buy green equipment or lower emission equipment. Um, And we don't have specific details again on this, but we know that there's going to be certain types of identified green equipment um, that can be acquired uh, where you can achieve accelerated write-offs. So the amount or the speed at which you can depreciate those uh, will be accelerated. So you get a quick tax savings from the acquisition of those types of equipment Um, and uh, there's some tax incentives that have been introduced uh, for carbon capture uh, and storage and utilization technology. So technology that allows you to sort of take carbon from the atmosphere and either capture it and store it so it's not you know continuing to sort of be cycled in the atmosphere um, or even better, that it can be converted into something else. Um, so we're going to see, and and, and there's some, a consultation period that's occurring uh, before they come out with final details on this. But some uh, tax credits uh, for uh, manufacturers, processors of this type of technology, and then also beyond that, just a significant amount of spending to help kind of carbon heavy industries adapt to more green technologies. Um, I I think even as like as recently as this morning, there was an introduction of some funds that have been set aside and like massive amounts, like a two point three billion dollars or something like that, that's been set aside to help households just become more energy efficient, uh, to to upgrade their their um, their houses to use less energy. Uh, So a lot of that type of stuff incentives and spending earmarked in the budget to help with the sort of green initiative.
0: Yeah, no, it's it's enlightening to hear kind of your perspective on it. And that's yeah, it's fantastic. Um, This week, we had reopening announced, um, you have a a couple of quick comments just on kind of what your expectation of of that rollout is going to is going to look like from a business perspective. Um, You know, you mentioned a little bit earlier about, you know, the economy does seem to be moving ahead pretty uh pretty strongly and i would Mm -hmm. agree for you with the with the exception of of tourism and hospitality unfortunately um but do you have any kind of expectations or any thoughts about kind of the provinces plan you
1: you know um just uh just um you know kind of from a colloquial almost like personal type level yeah so um Uh, I I think that, um, you know, I I really like uh, tying these phased in plans and from what I remember, I think Saskatchewan was probably the first province that at least I noticed doing this, tying the stages of reopening to certain targets in terms of vaccines and kind of levels, um, numbers out there, I think was a smart thing to do, uh, because it gives some flexibility in terms of the timing of the reopening, but it's also a bit of a motivator um you know i i think that uh the reopening of the economy and especially once we can get into that sort of phase four reopening here in bc uh where kind of the sky's the limit to some extent um i think is going to be uh really really beneficial to the economy you know I, I don't know about you but like everyone that i talk to everyone that i talk to is just saying like, I can't wait to get out and travel. I I can't wait, you know, to do these trips that we've been putting off just to, you know, get out and start having, you know, lunches with colleagues again and stuff like that. uh, You know, that a lot of people aren't doing, Um, you know, not that they're a huge draw this coming year, but to get over to Vancouver and see a Canucks game or something like that, uh, you know, that's all everyone is talking about. Like everyone's got this wish list of experiences that they just want to get out there and do, and and I think we're seeing, um, uh, you know, even though there's not necessarily a ton of travel, especially international travel, happening right now, you're starting to see, you know, flight costs going up quite dramatically, very getting very difficult to book hotel rooms and stuff like that, and because of you know there's all there's going to be all this pent up demand and this, you know, limited supply of flights, hotel rooms, that type of stuff, um, I think is going to take a little bit of time to work through the system. So I'm very optimistic that we're going to see a lot of spending, a big boost to the economy, uh, which is going to be very helpful. And I think it's going to go over an extended period of time. Uh, Now, I'll tell you on a personal level, one thing I'm worried about is I've also got like a whole team of people back at the office that I've got all this built up vacation time and cannot wait to use it. And so I'm kind of looking at that saying like, Oh my, well, I guess I'm going to be working pretty hard over the back half of the year. or So, because everyone's going to be taking their vacation. Um, so you, and I, I, like I say that jokingly, but I actually do think that there is going to be some of that, like there will be capacity constraints in businesses because they've got staff that are just ready to enjoy themselves after being, you know, nose to the grindstone, uh, just working really hard. And, and you know, we've heard and seen all the stats about work from home. just means, you know, you're working longer hours because you're not commuting anymore and it's easily accessible. Um, I, I think that there are going to be kind of capacity constraints, all, all the more important reason to open up that labor force more because everyone's got this, um, you know, built up vacation and they really want to use it.
0: Yeah, no, I love, I love to hear that. Actually, I I feel one of the challenges I've found with myself even is like breaking my mind out, out of the work from home thing. Like I've just like, even just, okay, I got to be intentional about using vacation when it comes up because I've just been locked in right for what by the time this gets done will be September ish. So 18 months plus of, (laughs) of it. So it's just the mental side is what's, what has got me this week
1: it's it's true, right? and like the the phrase that I've heard, which is spot on, I think, is that this isn't work from home. This is live at work. um, you know, you never get away and and like and it's very, very true. and it's it's like it's fascinating to see that this is sort of how this has ended up, but but it is true and and there 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 does need to be a step back from that. So yeah. you're we've all got to give our minds a little bit of a twist there to get out of it,
0: yeah. Yeah, no, that I appreciate the clarity there. Um, I want to ask you a little bit about your your job. Um, and you can I mean, you can go into this as much or as, as little detail as you want. But I think there's a little bit of mystery around like accounting in general. It's like you know that you need accountants. Um, there's so many different options <laughs> out there. Can you m- walk me through kind of how I don't know if, if maybe an onboarding process would be the right, right way to say it, you know, you're coming, I'm coming to you, I guess, for the first time, can you talk me through kind of like the questions that you're asking? how you approach kind of bringing on new clients? Yeah,
1: for sure. Um, now, I'll, I'll tell you, uh, there's no there's no magic, I don't think. And so, so my approach is um, uh, like, I, I really like people. Um, and and maybe that's one of the, the sort of misconceptions about accountants is um, it, it, it's it, it, we actually are um, uh, uh, you know, really, really um, uh, interested in people. And and, and maybe there's, there's more, ex, you know, introverts and extroverts in the accounting industry as a whole. Um, but I don't think that you can do a good job as an accountant if you don't like people and you're not really interested in getting to know people and finding out what makes them tick and so a big part of sort of that onboarding process is really just that hey we got to get to know each other as humans so that you know i can understand what you need to me like what you need from me how i can best help you um and, and you can understand you know how how i work as well too so we need to have that sort of open and honest relationship and that comes from really getting to know one another um, almost to a point where at some point we are be able to read our own thoughts and, uh, you know, almost be like that, that married couple that finishes their own sentences. Like, that's the ideal situation to eventually work your way towards. Um, but you got to get there just by, by having discussions, finding out about, you know, what's people's history? What, what's, what are their values? What do they really care about? What matters to them on the family side of things, the personal side of things and on the business side of things? Uh, what are those things that really, really concern them? What are those things that really, really excite them? And I don't think if you if you don't have that understanding that you can do a really good job on sort of the numbers side of things and the planning side of things like what I, what I like to tell like the younger accountants in our office. Um, when they're asking me, like, what's it like to be kind of a tax partner? You know, what I like to say is, um, like, all I do is try and help people. Um, and, And that's really what the job is all about. And yes, we've got sort of this sort of fundamental kind of technical knowledge, but that doesn't really matter at all. Um, unless you can apply it properly. And so we really have to be, like, we really need to be uh, the people that our clients turn to when they don't know who else to turn to. So if they've got a problem and it's not a tax problem whatsoever, it's something else, and they're giving me a call, that's when I know, okay, I've I've done my job here. Uh, I've done things right. And, um, you know, because when they needed help, this was the first person that they turned to uh, to get some advice from. And so, so that onboarding process, um, you know, may seem a little bit weird, but a lot of it is just having, you know, that broad ranging discussion of what makes you tick. And it's only once we've sort of got that fundamentals down that, okay, and now let's take a peek at, you know, some of the numbers and start to talk about some of the planning because what we do is not rocket science, but it's connecting pieces and, and making sure that sort of that, that technical aspect, that, that that tax aspect, the numbers are lining up with where we actually want to get to. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know if I explained that well or if I articulated that well, John, but like I just approach it in a very, very casual way. And it's only once we sort of got that foundation that we should then be looking at, you know, tweaking the details of the numbers. Okay. No, it's
0: great. I appreciate it. It's, I think you are right about the on the first bit too about what does maybe the misconceptions about about accountants. Um, so anyways, it's, just, it's cool to hear that. We're getting towards the end here. Want to quickly ask you a leadership question. Um, mm-hmm. You're a leader within Grant Thornton, I believe 23 ish years, if I did yeah, that's my, right. my LinkedIn uh, research correctly. Is there a, a maybe something that you've that you've pulled? from your time there about, about being a leader. That's, that's really helped you something. I mean, obviously that you maybe not have,
1: you wouldn't have known going in. Yeah. You, you know, I, I think that it's, it's pro- probably very similar to the discussion that I just had on clients. Like um, in order to be a, a good leader, I, I think, and you know, I'm still learning and it's probably better to ask the people around me than to ask me uh, if this makes sense. But, you know, I think you just gotta be real. Like, you, you have to be yourself, um, you know, acknowledge that like I, I'm no better than anyone else on my team and probably they're more important to me or I rely on them more than than I'm important to them or, or they rely on me. Um, so I think it's important to, you know, really talk to everyone. Um, and not just in like formal kind of the monthly meeting, but, You know, to be very, very present, talking to people, um, getting to know them, understanding what makes them tick, being yourself so that they can be comfortable and and be themselves as well, too, really relating to them. I think it's a good way to motivate, um, you know, to know that they're working with someone who really cares about them and wants to understand them um, and is interested in them. But it's also a good way to motivate yourself to get to know that team and to really kind of fundamentally care about who they are. So, um, you know, I think that's important. I think the notion of sort of that servant leadership is an important one. You know, just like our role on the client side of things, like our job is to help our clients, whatever they're throwing at us, and we're not the right person, we're going to find the right person. Same thing with our team members, our colleagues, like that's, that's the job of leaders is to help make sure that they're you know, happy that they're learning, they're developing, they're growing, um, they're having good lives, they're enjoying what they do. And I think if we can do that, um, you know, that covers 90% of what you need to do as a leader. And I think we really saw that, you know, over the last 14 months throughout the pandemic, like just how crucial it was to keep that communication, and that caring, um, and that sense of like, no matter what, I've got your back. Uh, like that's been really, really important to sort of get us and get our people through this last year and a bit or so.
0: No, that's great. I appreciate you you clearing uh, clearing that up. Um, I'm going to get you out of here quickly. Uh, I've got four quick ones for you. For sure. F- favorite um, approach to personal development could be if you're a big reader, audio, that kind of thing.
1: Yeah. So um, personal development, um, yeah, I am like, I love podcasts, you know, I, I love to use that time when I'm walking the dog in the morning or commuting or whatever it is, uh, you know, to learn, kind of expand your horizons. So definitely a big podcast listener. But I'd say number one thing for personal development um, that I have done for many, many years and continue to do is teaching, like, you know, this sort of the saying that the best way to learn is to teach. Um, And so for a long time, like for many years, I've uh, written professional development courses. I teach a lot of professional development courses uh, for the for the B.C. Institute and for some some private educational organizations, Um, guest lecture at some post-secondary places, do a lot of internal teaching within Grant Thornton as well, too. And one of the big things that I've tried to focus on to sort of expand that is um, sort of brought the notion to our group of we're a a team of teachers. And so we should all be as part of our role, focusing on how are we teaching others and how are we teaching clients? Like we deal with some nuanced kind of detailed stuff and sometimes our clients can't really appreciate, you know, what it is that we're doing, what we're talking about if we don't properly teach them. So the whole notion of you know teaching, writing, instructing, I, I think is probably the number one thing that I've done from a personal development perspective.
0: Awesome, that's really cool. It's the first time actually I've had somebody answer it that way. That is great. Okay. Um, best personal advice you've received? Um,
1: I, you know, I, I think it's like one of those like fundamental like. Um, you know, all the important things you needed to learn, you learned in kindergarten kind of thing. So, so probably some sort of variation of the golden rule, like, you know, just treating others the way you want to be treated. Um, I don't think it gets more, many, much more important than that. Okay. Love it. App or piece of software that you can't live without. Yeah. So I I mentioned, you know, I'm a big podcast listener on when I'm up early taking the dog for a walk. So probably just something as simple as like the Apple podcast app. And, um, you know, related to that, um, just like the Victoria Public Library, their cloud library app, I listen to a lot of lot of audio books uh, that I check out from the library on that. So it's really simple, nothing fancy, nothing that's really there to, you know, create productivity or anything like that. Just enjoy it. Awesome. And last one for you favorite restaurant on Vancouver Island. Um, you know, I would say I don't know if you've ever been to the beach house in Cordova Bay. Um, But we love it there. Like we, our family, uh, my wife and kids and I, we don't go out to a lot of restaurants. We're not big eaters out. Um, But but that's where we like if we got a special occasion or something like that. That's where my kids want to go. It's a great spot. Um, You know, it's just a really comfortable spot. It's good food, but you don't have to be too fancy. Um, It's amazing views. And, you know, one thing that we, I think one of the reasons my kids like it so much is often we'll go there, we'll order, and then, you know, my wife or I will then take the kids down to the beach. And so if my wife takes the kids down to the beach, I'll wait up there. And once the food comes, I just send them a quick text and they come on up. And so, you know, they sort of don't have to do that hanging around, waiting in the restaurant for the food to come, you know, they're throwing stones and, uh, uh, and enjoying themselves and, and they only come up for the good stuff. And then, you know, you can take your dessert to go and go eat on the beach or something like that. Like it's, it's a really great place. Our family loves it.
0: Thanks for stopping by From the Trenches, the Business Examiner podcast. If you want to learn more about the interviewee, please check the web and social links provided in the video or listening platform description. Please send any feedback to info at businessexaminer.ca with the subject line podcast.